Hey gang, and welcome to the Nice Epilogue Game Podcast from everyone at Epilogue. We hope you enjoyed your weekend. I'm Dakota Trammell, and this week, as always, I'm joined by Ben Vollmer and Marcus Carmona. Say hi, guys. Hi. Yo. Hello. How are you guys doing today? See, I did good. Um, you did. Loud and fast. That's the only time I'm ever letting you open the show, though. That was a once-in-a-lifetime nah. thing. Nope, I'm you just going to cut you off now every time before you start. Okay. All right. Uh, let's start this week by talking about what we're playing. Actually, you know what? We have some breaking news. Let's just get to that. In journalism school, they teach you not to bury the lead. So let's just go <laughs> ahead. Uh, I promise some breaking news on the podcast. Let's go ahead and get this out of the way. I do want to clarify that the gaming industry is weird and things can change. But uh, we have we have some news that we wanted to talk about that I've actually had uh, confirmed by a couple of sources. So... Let's go ahead and get right into that. Earlier today, Polygon, this is Monday, uh, January 29th, and we're recording at, let's see, 7, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, earlier today, Polygon reported that Microsoft was looking out to buy, looking to buy a large publisher. Uh, they listed a few names. Some of those names involved were Valve, EA, and uh, there was a couple more, and th those are slipping... Um, my my train of thought but one of the names that they listed was ea um and i i actually have talked to a couple people who confirmed that there have been discussions about ea possibly selling to microsoft or some other larger company now this would be industry shaking obviously because ea is one of the largest publishers they're the, probably the most notorious publisher in video <laughs> games um, and we've talked about EA a lot, how, you know, how fickle the gaming industry can be. And people have in the past year uh, turned on EA in, in a way that I'm not sure that they can come back from um, between the Battlefront uh, microtransactions and, you know, everything that they've they've gone through that I'm not sure that this is such a co coincidence, Marcos. Um, do you think... That something like this, you know, Microsoft potentially buying EA could be a result of the the last year or so of bad press. Definitely, they definitely it it can show that they want to be bought out, want to have less to worry about, and Microsoft is a pretty big name to be bought out from. Probably the biggest. I I was actually thinking about this, so. The mention of Valve struck me as odd, not because Valve is bigger than Microsoft. Like, Microsoft obviously has Windows. They're bigger than just Xbox, whereas Valve is just Steam, really, at this point, um, with a few extra IP, IPs attached. So, you know, I, I, I talked with this, you know, talked with you guys a little bit about this before the podcast began. Uh, Dakota, does this strike you as something that was surprising or is it sort of along the same lines of like Disney buying out Fox? It's just something that we've come to expect. These like big companies sort of conjoining together. Um, a little bit of both on one end. It's, it's, you know, it's a little surprising, but with, uh, how EA has been doing, I'm not too surprised that they're trying to get some financial support from another company like Microsoft. Well, so I want to be clear. This is not just like a conjoining of the two. This is actually would be Microsoft buying EA out. 
So this would be every oh, property so that be... EA owns is now Microsoft's. That's it. Yeah. That's that's what we're talking about here. So obviously this is huge. We're talking about franchises like Madden, FIFA, uh, Star Wars Battlefront. I don't even know what would happen to Star Wars. I have no idea. Does Microsoft own every Star Wars game if something like that happens? Um, and, you know, again, just to clarify, this does not mean microsoft is buying ea it means there's been talks about it and i think in all likelihood soon enough this is going to shake out and people are going to see that ea is on the cusp of of selling uh i so i i would imagine something happens i would imagine something happens even if it's not exactly this um so we are talking about some of the biggest franchises and ips in, including one we're, we're going to talk about soon in dragon age uh, and you know, with the whole Mass Effect debacle, which we didn't even you know bring up, it, we talk a lot about the microtransaction stuff. But Mass Effect was a huge beloved franchise, and EA botched it. I mean, it just they destroyed oh. one of the franchises people love most in video games, arguably. Andromeda. So, yeah, and you know, it, you've played Andromeda, Marcos. I did. And it, and so, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it it probably wasn't that bad of a game. Just the way that they handle it, it's like the way that they handle. There, something is is going on uh, with EA, and I wouldn't be surprised. So you know, when I heard this, it was not something that struck me as particularly odd. So we'll keep an eye on this. Um, if if something like this does end up happening, you know, the first place you heard it was Epilogue Gaming. Again, we're not a news uh, based website that's not what we do but i i did want to make sure that this was something we talked about because i i you know we are a news-based podcast and we do we do break down the biggest news in in gaming every week so i figured maybe we could get we could jump the gun a little bit here and just talk a little bit about if if not ea it seems like microsoft is in is in the buying game uh is there anybody you would actually like to see bought out by Microsoft, I honestly am of of the opinion here that EA would almost make perfect sense because somebody needs to save that sinking ship. I don't know if Microsoft is the answer, but what would you say to Code? Yeah, uh, well, go ahead, Marcos. Like, I love them all, but like, I can see Microsoft buying out a Sega. That'd be funny. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't even thought about Sega being a possibility. And Sega's going through a lot of change themselves. So Holy something like that would, would make sense. I mean, could so what do we have that would be of interest to Microsoft? Sonic? <laughs> what else? What else does Sega have? They, I think they own, uh, it, it, what is it, the uh, Persona company? Um, Atlantic? Atlas. Atlas. Thank Atlas. you. Atlas. So. They do. That would be brought over too, I'm sure, in some, you know, in a hypothetical universe. I think that's a good answer because that's exactly what Microsoft probably needs to do at this point, right? Is like that that Japanese market that Sega has. Yeah, definitely, because they're not the greatest, but they've got some decent RPGs on there, and I think a lot of people, when they call up on Microsoft, they are lacking in the Japanese game market, mainly being like JRPGs, that kind of stuff. Especially in comparison to um, Sony. Uh, yeah. Where all of their RPGs are JR. No, I shouldn't say all. Most, That's a, you know, most, most yeah. of them. Mm. You I mean, know. Japanese. Most, a, a ton of their games. That's why people buy PS4s too. It's that you know, people that like JRPGs will buy a PS4 just to play all their JRPGs on. Right. And so if Microsoft and, kind of you know broadens themselves to that market, it could bring them more business, especially if they suddenly gain control of the Persona franchise. 
Wow, and that is that such an odd thing title. to think about. The Yakuza <laughs> franchise as well. Oh, good point. Yeah, so yeah. I think uh, Microsoft and Sega—that'd be a nice little relationship right there. Oh my goodness, I don't even want to think about something. Like... Microsoft well, it... would benefit really well from. Yeah. That. Let it be known that we actually, on this very podcast, had somebody predict Marcos Kofkov that a Sega console would be announced this year. So maybe <laughs> how does that fit into this I, plan? Man. Maybe <laughs> I've been thinking about this. Maybe I have the insider information about Sega, my man. Oh, I want to clarify. Now, we do not have the insider information about Sega. I want to clarify <laughs> that I am a, a, I am very informed on very many things. This may just be one of those things. <laughs> so Dakota, I don't know if that answers the question for you. I, I doubt you'd pick Sega, but who would you pick? If, if somebody were to be bought out, kind of given a fresh start, who would it be for you? Um, it could be like an indie company too. I mean, that's something we're, we're thinking bigger scale here, but if there's one company you'd like to see bought out, I guess. The first one that came to mind that wasn't EA, because I feel like EA is just such a perfect fit. Because a lot of their games are kind of dude bro y, if, yes. if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh-huh. And that just, that just kind of fits Microsoft's brand so well, mm-hmm. dude bro y. But um, I'd like to see Natsumi. Uh, so, out. Uh, what do, what do they produce? Harvest Moon, all the Harvest Moon games. I don't know what else besides that, because I've always followed them for Harvest Moon. Um, I didn't know they were an indie company. They're not really. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know. Consider it one. Yeah, I don't think they'd be considered indie at this point. Um, so that's but interesting. They make Harvest Moon games because Microsoft seems so interested in this like games as a service stuff that's been popular, and I, Harvest Moon obviously would, you know, kind of you could see a Harvest Moon game be that sort of game as a service, right? Um, yeah, and, and sort of the same method that I guess Stardew Valley would be. I don't know if you'd call that a game as a service. Probably, right? Splatoon, those types of games that continuously are evolving. Um, Your fighting games—they're pretty big. What about fighting games? <laughs> Game service. Oh, I mean, right, kill, right. Microsoft's Killer Instinct pretty much started that idea. Yeah, good right. point. Good point. Um, so I, you know, I just to harp on the EA thing a little bit longer. I did want to say that I find it interesting that a I saw a bunch of EA uh, and particularly Bioware employees. So retweeting rares stuff from sea of thieves this weekend so i thought that was interesting we also have anthem which has been heavily marketed toward xbox one x right that Mm -hmm. i've had people actually ask me is anthem an xbox one exclusive it's not it's not an xbox one exclusive uh but it's marketed so heavily toward xbox right now that you almost think that uh so that's that's another thing um and then there's ea access which is exclusively on uh, Microsoft services between Windows and uh, Xbox One. So, I don't know. There's already a relationship there. I would not be surprised. And we've been talking about, you know, they, they sell like Madden bundles, FIFA bundles. There's a relationship uh, that's already existing there. So, I could see that. I could see that happening. Again, I am not saying that it is. I am just clarifying, uh, I you know, that we have heard that conversations are taking place. So, don't be surprised if this is something that happens over you know the next couple of weeks it could even be longer than that i don't know how long these processes uh typically are drawn out so 
with that being said that's our breaking news probably the only the first and maybe the only ever one we'll have on on this podcast but i did want to nah. talk a, uh, <laughs> maybe not not with marcos on the team but and his all of his sega informants um yeah man all of them <laughs> all of them i did want to talk about what you guys were playing this week i would start with dakota who i actually have been watching play uh, is it i am portia is that my is, time at Porsche. my time at porsche so walk us through that a little bit um okay so my time at porsche i have this whole bit down because everyone always asks well what is this game i'm just kidding because i saw that question like a hundred times anyway go ahead uh my time at porsche is a indie game that's in early access right now it just released uh last wednesday um for yeah last no i think actually last tuesday last tuesday mm -hmm. so exactly a week ago um and it's a a lot of people compare it to stardew valley um i don't really feel like that's like a proper comparison because the only similarity between the two is that they both have a lot to do but stardew valley's main focus is still farming Whereas this game doesn't have a huge focus on farming. It is something you could do to like get a little more money. But it's not really where your most of your income is going to come from. Uh, but it is more about like crafting and you can fight monsters. And it does look very a little MMO-y. It does, yeah. Um, like it's something you could, I could see like it's a like an MMO that people get real into and play. But um and it's has a lot of content to it for being in early access which is real surprising i've been like kind of nervous because i didn't know how much i'd actually be able to do in the game he said it's pretty much like fully voice acted right yeah i, I think that's their plan um because actually right now i would say it's maybe like a quarter to half voice acted you can okay. tell that that's something they want to implement because mm -hmm. most of the main characters do have a voice um, and most of their lines are voiced. There's a good chunk of characters that don't, and there's bugs with it. It's, you know, a new game. Right. Um, it does have its problems so far, uh, like kind of like the voice acting where it's not always there, or sometimes they'll say a different line than what's actually being read on the bottom, which is kind of weird and annoying. But uh, and there's not much dialogue for many of the characters yet, um, whether you're, like, married to them or not. Right. Uh, they kind of all have the same three lines of dialogue, regardless of whatever the situation or friendship <laughs> level is. So it seems to me like there's there's a lot of room for growth, but it is for an early access game. It seems like uh, you know pretty standard. There's enough stuff for you to do for I would say uh, at least a dozen hours. You put in it, clearly that you put in that much right on your stream just this week. Yeah, I've so. I've seen um, people because uh, I do follow the. Um, the developers they have a little discord who for... are the developers uh oh part parthia <laughs> panthea yeah it's something like that mm -hmm. but um i'll fact check that they do have a little a little this a little discord where um they talk about updates and like things and oh i forgot where i was going with this <laughs> oh it's um just it's i think it's published oh. by team 17 and it's panthea games who developed it so yes because mm -hmm. i follow the team 17's discord and they have different people talking about it and one person said they've 
put 60 hours into it and they've pretty much done everything. Wow. And so for yeah. an early access game for, Not you bad. know, 20 bucks, that's yeah. that's your money's worth. That's real and then there's there's still room to grow. The only thing I'm worried about is it is it's really like people have real high hopes for this game. It's kind of I don't want to say it's like No Man's Sky cuz that promised a lot, but this, you know, they want they have they want to do a lot with this game and you can right. tell. Mm-hmm. But um I'm worried they it's either going to work in their favor and it's going to be a great, great game or a uh, downside they're biting off too much. They can chew. And, which, which uh, is something, all... it, it, that happen, tends to happen a lot with these smaller early access games. I'd almost, I, and I, I know that it's sort of a necessity at this point, but I do kind of wish that games wouldn't just uh, release those indie games. Wouldn't just release and then go from there. Sort of the early access you're, you're asking a lot for me to trust a developer who I have not heard anything from. So yeah. it's good that the game already has dedicated fans. We'll see where it goes from here. Marcos, uh, what are you playing this week? Well, I know what you're uh, playing this week. Dragon Ball Z, oh. Fighter Z, and uh, Monster Hunter, right? Yeah. Yeah, just answer for me, right? Okay. <laughs> well, how are yeah, those games? Because I, I haven't played them. I haven't played them. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighters is fantastic. It is everything I wanted it to be. And Monster Hunter World took me by surprise. I like it a lot more than I thought it was going to, and I suck ass at it. Yeah, you're not very good. I played the beta with you. You're not very good. How dare you? (laughs) Um, But yeah, we are going to talk a little bit more about Monster Hunter. Um in a bit but just real quickly i know dragon ball fighter z was having some server issues has that been cleaned up or is, the is only, that still it's not, really, it's not server issues it's the ring matches that are having problems so what are those and what's the problem those are like private matches and uh what happens is that sometimes uh, when two people try and meet up and play their private match um it they just won't it won't work they won't it will just say room not found or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've found with various friends when we attempted that, all you do is uh, restart the application and then it works. Okay. So, so I, I it's not guess terrible, the... it's annoying, but uh, Arxis has gone to say that they are currently working on a patch. So... That has almost become the custom these days. Anything with online system, they they just don't work at the beginning. <laughs> I And yeah. I think, you know, people are going to blame that on... I, I, there's a lot of resistance to the idea of patches and it allowing sort of developers a way out so they don't have to like, you know, uh, check everything before release. And so people think they're not really getting the full experience that they probably should. And they always hearken back to the old days, like, oh, I remember when patches weren't a thing, yada, yada. But what one pe- what most people don't consider is that A, not nearly as many people played games back then. Um, these These games are overwhelmingly more popular than they used to i mean dragon ball has sold like hotcakes i i saw that um steam released numbers that it's like five times as popular at its peak already than things like tekken and street fighter were so that's insane um and you know so we're we're looking at these things and people are blaming like oh well that that's what happens when you use your um you know you use your audience to to test these things but i i just i think it's it in all fairness um to this game specifically you're just looking at higher numbers than you used to and uh online interfaces you know is much more the infrastructures are much more complicated than they used to be so i think that's something to keep in mind but, even monster uh, Hunter was like 
problems this morning regarding servers. Yeah, I think it's just something we're going to have to deal with. If you want these big, complicated, interactive online games, just expect it. It's not great, it, and it's it makes it all the better when something releases, uh, you know, scotch-free, but it's just something that's not all too common. So let's go ahead and break into our actual news cycle. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of news but the first thing I wanted to talk about was actually kind of built off of our earlier EA discussion. Bioware is apparently hard at work on their new Dragon Age game, um, which people think is not going to be called Dragon Age 4, which makes sense because Dragon Age Inquisition was not Dragon Age 3. I don't think anybody ever referred to it as Dragon Age 3, so it wouldn't really make sense. But um, there was some talk about the game being live, which the developers went on to clarify that will feature continued storytelling after the main story. So I want to ask Dakota first, because uh, I, you know, amongst all of us in these story-driven games, um, I think you're the most qualified. Why is it that EA, and again, I've defended EA I, on this podcast I, for some of the decisions they've made. Why is it that people feel that there needs to be a story after the story? What is that? And do you think it leads to less uh efficient storytelling the first time around you know with the the actual 60 dollar release um hmm. i feel like people the main reason is for um because we're talking in like the sense of like dlc right i would assume so i mean if it's if it's live and they're storytelling after the main story that to me insinuates like a season pass right yeah, I think uh, because, and we've talked about this before when we talked about how uh, story single-player games are a dying breed, that developers want are using things like loot boxes and um, DLC to be able to make more money off of a game. And so for to be able to add more story onto a game afterwards through... Uh, like a DLC helps them make more money off of that one just $60 purchase when it's like it's $60 purchase then if someone really enjoys it they're gonna be like well wait I want to see more of this story and then they're gonna buy that you know either that season pass or the $10 DLC that comes out later and I feel like it's a money tactic oh for mainly. sure it is yeah <laughs> definitely or, economic uh, economically driven for companies but I feel like it Depends on how it's done, but it can deter the story because uh, developers might decide to not tell the entire story that they would have told like originally if they weren't planning on doing this. Um, they might just tell a portion and then have the rest put out under like a paywall. Well, I guess my concern, my primary concern here is that they're already thinking about what's coming after this story, right? Yeah. So it's it's not it's no longer just about the story. It's about the one we're telling after. And I guess like you want all of your narratives to live harmoniously together. Like what is so popular with with Marvel right now, um, where they have all of these things planned out. And I guess in a you know a perfect world, that's something that can exist. But for me, if you're Bioware and you're EA and you just botched this massive franchise that almost seemed untouchable 
four years ago. Even after <laughs> the end of Mass Effect 3 pissed everybody off, you couldn't be more, you know, find a more excited fan base for Andromeda. So we're looking at EA here, and we're, you have to say, what are you doing? Like, why not just give, even if, even if economically it doesn't make sense right off the bat, even, and I would argue that it probably does, just promise a story-driven game that you're going to get your $60 worth, and, and that's it. Of course there's probably going to be DLC, but why are you... Why is this something you're causing people to think about before the game even exists? And I get I, this seemed like it was a leak. I want to clarify. So this, I think Kotaku was the one who broke this uh, a while yeah. ago um, where they, they mentioned Dragon Age being sort of this live game. And then EA had to come out and clarify, well, like, that just means we want to tell more story. Well, it's like, why? If you want to tell more story, do that now. Do that now. You have not released the game. You haven't released the game. Uh, what DLC should be used for, in my opinion, is sort of after the fact, okay, people really like this game. They want more of it. We can tell some additional story. We had some ideas that were left out. That's fine. Use that then. But but for now, you need to focus on making a good game because Dragon Age is another franchise, probably less loved than Mass Effect. Uh, maybe not for me. I love both. But you have to get this right. You have to, have to, have to get it right. Um, Especially so, after letting people down with Andromeda. Oh, I mean, it's unquestionably. And with Battlefront, <laughs> Battlefront didn't uh -huh. have a great story. So anyway, Marcos, go ahead. Um... I don't know, man. It's a pretty. It seems pretty dumb on their part, but I understand that they want to make like a, they want to make it sound like a great sort of thing. Where hey, even though after you finish the story, somewhere at sometime afterwards, you're gonna get more. Right. Might just be for more money. Like that seems <laughs> kind of scummy. It's perfect for EA. Like Microsoft, knock on the door, please. Yeah. Well, the, the, the weird thing is, but, is that I remember Microsoft was one of the like the early aggressors here with this whole uh you know microtransaction thing i i literally remember on in halo 2 they were one of the first games to ever release dlc packs in like halo 2 had additional maps you could buy um really yeah yeah um there was a oh gosh what was the hang em high i think was the they re-released it which was from the original halo i want to say that's what it was i can't remember for sure but um anyway I so Say that again. I didn't play a lot of Halo Two. Like yeah. Halo Three was again like really into the series. I played a game. ton of Halo Two. Oh man, I played a ton of Halo Two. But I think that was just <laughs> a sign of the times. Like if you if you played video games in the years like two thousand three, I don't. I guess Halo probably came out in what two thousand two two. Yeah, somewhere yeah. around there. Um, if somebody could fact check that for me, that'd be great. But around two thousand two, we're talking about DLC already already existing at that point. So. Anyway, I guess the, the overarching point uh, on this, this whole EA discussion is that they need to actually just get some good press for once in their <laughs> life. Like, I'm just, I'm begging you, as somebody who actually likes a lot of the EA IPs, please just do this right. Like, I don't want to see Dragon Age uh, be sent to an early grave. I loved Mass Effect. It got sent to an early grave. I don't want to see that again. So... Don't if, say that. If you're listening, EA, because I'm breaking, I'm breaking all your news here on this podcast. If <laughs> if you're listening, please, please, please reconsider the way that you market this game. Um, you're, I got an idea. Go for it. Mass Effect Four. Well, print it. 
<laughs> there's no doubt in my mind that another Mass Effect game is made, and it will be no, Mass Effect it's Four. It's going to be called Mass Effect Four. Yeah, no, no, no. I know it's going to be. And I... it's going to be DLC called in, uh, Andromeda. No, don't do this. It's gonna happen. <laughs> You're giving them ideas that I don't want them to have. I'm not giving them ideas. This is an idea that they already have. I'm <laughs> You're right. It. You're right. You're right. It probably is. Um, There's one little IP guy that's like, "Yo, I got an idea, guys. We're <laughs> we need more sci-fi." Oh, uh, so I guess you know, just to put a to bow uh, put a bow on this entire discussion. What needs to happen next is is good marketing that's it and when marco says like oh you know i i can see what they're trying to do they're trying to make it sound like a good thing that you get to pay for more story right like i see what you're thinking ea but that's it's not this working not a sims game. yeah it's it's not a sims game it's not that you're that's exactly right it's not a sims game they're trying to make it like a sims game where they can charge uh except in sims you, you pay for more content but you're paying 20 bucks for a story right do you, does anybody remember when SimCity busted a few years ago? Do you guys remember that? It was a pretty big thing. SimCity literally just didn't work when it released. Oh, yeah. I'm so, not surprised. Well, it, you have to consider why was that franchise discontinued? Well, it was because of SimCity. So I remember specifically, this is the beginning of EA being terrible at, at just its overall job of relaying information to consumers. But I remember SimCity busting a few years ago. Just like absolutely tanking and ea threatened people and said if more people don't start buying this game we won't be able to create sims 4 i remember that discussion Whoa. it's like okay okay <laughs> that's not live. on our that's not on us that's as the consumer that is not on us to buy your shitty game so that you make more of the franchise i like that is not on me you know, that is not on me you know what EA is starting to seem like what? Remember when Charlie Charlie Sheen was not crazy? Oh. On two for two and a half men. I... That's the vibe I'm getting off of EA right now. <laughs> oh, I need early, some juice. Early Charlie Sheen. <laughs> I, need, uh, I need some juice. Hold on. What was that Commando movie that he did? Commando that's like, movie. That's, yeah, he, there was a movie he did where. Wait, where he, he was, was Commando? Like the not wearing underpants no, kind, or no, like a no, commander? I mean, that makes more sense. Yeah, but not he. Was, army guy with like face paint and stuff you mean platoon yeah that's yeah. the era i'm thinking of yeah okay fair and enough well i don't know if dakota actually disappeared for some juice if she did that's okay well we'll no i'm still is... here i had juice on hand in case uh, oh, in case oh. something like this happened <laughs> what do you mean uh, i always do well let's let's move on to some better news uh five million copies of monster hunter world have been shipped which is just an astounding Woo! number they're, they're really good i only played the beta but i i actually watched ample review uh of this game i've i've watched twitch streams i'm really excited about it i currently am under a data cap so i can't actually spend the uh i spend the download that it actually costs apparently it's pretty small it's only like 17 gigabytes or something like that so yeah. it, it probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have mattered but can I, um, can, I, can I ask a quick question yeah, that you're not absolutely. allowed to make fun of me for? Sure. No, go for it. What is Monster Hunter World? <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's, that's an okay question. Because it's, it's a game that I've heard of, like, not even just recently, like, you know, even in high school. Mon you're talking about Monster just, Hunter in general. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it's, just, I don't and, know what th- it is. What this is. Thought. I want to point out this is a, this is an acceptable question because you're so tuned into the indie scene. If if you hadn't if you hadn't been, Monster Hunter World is is one of the best selling franchises in, in no pun intended in the world. Um, and so we're looking at a franchise that. I think has mostly been Nintendo, right, Marcos? I think it's been mostly on the 3DS. It yeah, found, a, found a spot on the... Okay, so it is a Nintendo game. It's not, though. It, this is oh. actually not even on the Nintendo it's Switch. Switch. Not on the oh. Switch at all. And if you play it, you understand why, because it's one of the most visually appealing games I've ever played. It is Because I know gorgeous. I've heard of it, I think, back in high school, and they came out with um, a 3DS Monster Hunter, I uh, Generations, I think. I think that was Monster Hunter Generations. I haven't actually played any of the, the games, so I'm, I'm mostly going to give this conversation to, yeah, to, to Marcos. But I do want to say a couple things first. Um, one, this is at a 91 on Metacritic, which I think makes it the highest game of the year um celeste also came out smoking but that has way less reviews i i want to play celeste i don't know if you've seen it dakota it's yeah i have i've seen i know you don't like platforming stuff but um, yeah it's my only weakness when it comes to games i think i'll i think i'll pick that up but but it is a game i'd watch regardless monster hunter world doing extremely well so marcos i wanted you to kick off this conversation what makes it different from previous games if you don't know what monster hunter is it really is kind of a jrpg it is it's a monster trapping game essentially where you're hunting you're hunting down monsters um and i know that that's in the name but that's literally what it is similar is this to like in horizon zero dawn where it's it's very different it's very different but go ahead and explain marcos like when you think of Horizon Zero Dawn, you're straight up like bow and arrow, staff, spear. You're, you go in, hits. You don't have to think too hard about it. Like, you have the components and stuff, and there is like yeah. elemental things. And once about. you get used to it as well. Yeah. In Monster Hunter, it is very, very deep. Like, I use a bow and arrow in uh, Monster Hunter World because that's the weapon that resonated with me the most. And there are so many elements and things you can do in that game there's paralysis there's poison there's sleep it's there's shock there's bomb it's a there's a lot of things you can do with that game and it's mm-hmm. overwhelming at the very beginning and i, I actually no heard that word used quite a bit yeah. overwhelming like even to people who understand the franchise um but just to add to what marco's already said and and kind of tighten it up a little bit uh horizon zero dawn is extremely quick like if you've played horizon zero dawn everything is fast paced it moves at this sort of like uh with this frantic motion all the time where like you're just jumping from one spot to the next and outside of the you know slow down uh mechanic that the game has it, it is moving quickly monster hunter and i think marcos would agree is very very slow and strategic methodical i would say um yeah, and, and the way you have to play it and like if you're a better player than me, you, there's a lot you can plan out. You can do a lot in that game. There are ways that you can take care of monsters that I accidentally figure out, like having them, tricking them into running through a smaller boulder only to knock off a piece of their like armor with the giant mounts and us behind you, or having them run into a like a very pit lake sort of thing. This, that game is deep, and the way that the monsters interact with each other is also very realistic i guess it is it makes the world it is. Feel yeah alive. no realistic is a good word for it i i and that's hard to explain when you're talking about like fantastical beasts but it, yeah. they just 
it looks realistic. It's hard to say why or what exactly is going on there. Um, but I saw a couple monsters, and not to get too spoilery, but there was like a smaller one that had sort of fins on the side of it. I don't know if that's the proper word, or like almost long ears, and it would flash the ears out, and you it would like stun the player. So I don't know if you've gotten this far, Marcos, but there's it, it seems like, and then there was one that like the more air it sucks in, the bigger it gets. So like the longer you go without hitting it, and the longer it goes without attacking, it just kind of continues to puff up. And it's, it's yeah, just there's a... so many monsters in that game, and they are all very diverse. Mm -hmm. very... And there was one we fought too that would just like eat stuff along the way and grow and grow and grow, like the yeah. the, the fat bellied one. Yeah, I forget. I, I think it's called like the ra people call it like a raggy or something like that. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm pretty terrible with the names of the monsters, but uh, they're very confusing. <laughs> they're like yeah. the Zwaza and the the, the funky bunky and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. All that uh, kind of stuff. Uh huh. I saw a really cool one called Diablos. It was like a it, Diablo looking, but um, sort of with you know a monster version. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah it, it just it looks gorgeous. I this is one game. Like if I you know we have Celeste, we have Dragon Ball Fighter Z, lots of good stuff coming out this month. I think I'm going to prioritize Monster Hunter. Um, monster Hunter is really really yeah. good. Dude. What is it out on? It is PlayStation Four, Xbox One, mm -hmm. and soon to be pc but not yet so most yeah. people are reviewing it from the ps4 apparently the xbox one is having some server issues this is a co-op game um oh. so you i would i probably if you have the option advise ps4 at this point um and i you know it seems like sony has some sort of marketing deal with it so that's just where and more people are playing it like being able to um strategize with another player and hopefully like three other players max is four i believe it it can it can be really really fun yeah. it's really cool i i enjoy it a lot but we'll have to play some uh as soon as i pick it up so let's see the next on our list this i thought this was really interesting we talked about xbox one game pass a little bit ago uh i think on episode like five or six they're expanding it and going as far to say this is Phil Spencer who said that all new Microsoft exclusives uh, exclusive will launch on the Xbox One Game Pass. So oh. in case you don't know what the Xbox One Game Pass mm -hmm. is, it's very similar to EA's vault system or EA Access where you pay, I think EA Access is $5 a month, Xbox One Game Pass is $10 a month or $120 a year. Um, and so this has a collection of Microsoft titles. In fact, it actually involves some non-Microsoft exclusives as, as well. Um, but this is huge. That means that like Halo, Cuphead, things like that are going to be launching, you know, in the future, like Cuphead yeah, 2 Anthem? should be launched. Well, Anthem again is not Microsoft exclusive. No, 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 yet. no, 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 Anthem. Anthem. No, but Anthem's not. Anthem's not Microsoft no, exclusive. Oh. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, if if what we've talked about earlier is right, then something like Anthem. I don't. That's another thing that's confusing about the whole Microsoft EA thing. It's like, so would they continue to do EA Access? I don't know. Would that be part of? Heck it. Let's go. Yeah, I. You know, I'm a happy customer of EA Access. I think it's one of the best deals on the planet. And you know, I didn't want to get into this whole thing because honestly, screw retailers like GameSpot who have been. Uh, ripping off customers for decades now, but really, yeah. That, I mean, honestly, GameStop hasn't ripped you off. Yeah, I have, have no you idea. ever tried to sell something back to GameStop ever? 
I don't think so. Oh, you said GameStop. I heard GameSpot. I, I, I hope very... I didn't I say GameSpot. I, I may you have did, said that. But I, heard, I knew what you meant. Okay, let me correct myself. GameSpot is actually one of my favorite <laughs> websites to visit, so I'm like, not whoa, talking about yo, GameSpot. I didn't know GameSpot's <laughs> GameStop. GameStop, excuse me. Um, okay. So, I mean, I kind of get deals from GameStop that makes me happy, but I buy from them. I don't, uh, I don't think I've ever sold anything to them. I remember once buying a Madden game and being unhappy with it, uh, and I bought it for $60, and one week later when I tried to return it, which was predates their whole new system where you can take back games that you don't like or whatever. I, I don't know what they've got going on now because I don't go there anymore. But uh, they had this this thing where I would I would take it back to them after buying it for sixty dollars. They'd offer me twenty. One week later, yeah. one week later. So um, regardless, they're complaining about this because obviously it's a consumer friendly deal. Ten dollars, you can get, play any Microsoft game. That's huge. That means Halo, yeah. Halo Wars. That's Forza games, uh, Fable games. When you know we've talked about Fable being announced. Um, you play Explosion Man. Yeah, uh, Sea of Thieves. Possibly Anthem. I mean, these are these are things that if Microsoft, you know, build, starts to build up a larger library, which I actually have a lot of trust in them. I've been hard on Microsoft. I think Phil Spencer is probably the best Tough current per, current head of the of the three. Um, I think he knows he seems in tune with what consumers want. Um, it's just been, you know, they've had cancellations. What was the last one? It was the, uh, the cool dragon game. Oh man. It was platinum developing it. Marcos, you should know about this one. Spyro? Platinum a dragon game? Yeah, it was a dragon game. Um, oh man. Let me see. I, I'm going to fact check this, but, sure. but first is for $10 a month. Is this something you would, you would hop on Dakota for all oh, of the of Microsoft course. exclusives? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a Netflix, but, uh, of games. Netflix I'll of games. Yeah, it is. It's games of I'll, service. I'll say, I'll say a Hulu. I'll say a Hulu because I like Hulu a little less. But Right. <laughs> I like Hulu a little less. <laughs> so are you saying you like Microsoft a little less too? Well, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, what was, oh, Scalebound. That's what it was. Scalebound. Sorry if I seemed distracted. Oh. You guys remember Scalebound, right? It looked great. Oh, it yeah. got canceled. Oh, okay. Of course. That's just how Microsoft goes. Yeah. Well, that's the problem lately. Uh, and then we haven't even really heard from Crackdown. Which I was excited about. Uh, oh yeah, I keep haven't heard about, about that in a while. Yeah, Crackdown thing that. Wow, <laughs> that, that game was announced was like four cute. years ago. Like, it, yeah, Ugh. brutal. Anyway, I think that'll Have cover. Crackdown on Microsoft, right, guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have to have at least one of those. I'm glad it wasn't me this podcast. What happened? Someone's got to be the bad puns. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um. So I think that'll cover it for our news discussion this week. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back shortly with a discussion on sexuality in video games right after this break. This episode of the Epilogue Gaming Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon members. If you'd like to subscribe, you can do for as little as $1 a month. A special shout-out to our Platinum and Midnight tier members who subscribe for $10 to $25 a month, including Dark Siege, Blister Agent, Bright Wolves, and Drath Josh who believes that mashed potatoes should be enjoyed with a fork, not a spoon. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're actually going to be taking a more serious direction with our discussions after last week. Uh, last week's violence and video games talk. We all enjoyed it, I, you know, to a certain level. Um, so I, I think we're going to continue that trend by talking about sexuality in video games. And this is something 
I've been thinking about an awful lot uh, because for whatever reason, it seems like people are, are almost scared to talk about it. Now, we talk about the sexualization of characters sometimes, and we'll, we'll, we'll definitely refer to that. But I want to talk about more do, you know, sexual relationships in games or you know, sexualized characters have a place in sort of benefiting a game as as an art form. So we we obviously have some examples in front of us like Bayonetta, Gears of War. Uh, one that I've I've talked about before is the Dark Souls franchise and, and Bloodborne as, as an extension of that. So I guess the question and I'll, I'll refer to Marcos first is you know does sex have a place in video games is this something uh because it seems to me outside of the sexualization of characters which definitely definitely exists it's almost like video games are scared to directly refer to sex being involved in games um is this is this something that you know you agree with or do you think it's something uh that you've you know you you have seen sex talked about in video games and it's just we haven't seen it you know uh marcos I don't think it's ever really touched upon video games, or at least not games that I've played. Um, in video games that I do play, a lot of like characters are represented in ways that are can be seen as unsavory. And I think that plays a decent part in the idea of it. The fact that you can have men walking around shirtless, looking fabulous, and women just with huge busts <laughs> and scanded uh, clothing, right. i.e. Uh, Ivy Valentine from Soul Calibur being one of the more notorious That's ones. That's probably and one of the first examples, right? Like, people always refer yeah. to Tomb Raider and Laura Croft, but I feel like Soul Calibur may have even preceded that. I mean, Bamco is not afraid to make some eye candy for the games, and uh, I don't complain, but it's definitely something that... Uh, exists warrants yeah something yeah it warrants this kind of conversation so well one and... of the things and not to not to interrupt you but one of the things that i i don't want to focus too much on the the sexualization of characters which of course i think we'd all three agree uh exists right we'd all three agree that sexualization okay. of characters exists just walking oh, through yeah. some games you know like soul caliber can... go ahead dakota uh oh shoot uh, Texas Chainsaw, <laughs> Lo- Texas, no, a Chainsaw Lollipop, is that what that's called? Yes, yeah. Or uh, it's, PlayStation. It's, it's Chainsaw Lollipop, I think, or Lollipop Chainsaw. Um, by, oh, Cell Streams this. It's um the game where he's always doing those blocks. Catherine. Catherine, and yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd even argue Persona to a small degree, to a little bit. um, Because uh, they're... Yeah, I would, I would say Persona, um, The it Witcher. Seems, it seems like it's something much more that Japanese com- uh, companies tend to be much more comfortable doing, right? Like yeah. just just on, on face value, it seems like that's something more more Japanese companies are okay doing. But at the same time, the you know, and one of the things that I wanted to talk about was Dark Souls because I feel like Dark Souls uses it in a way that's really interesting. And I think I I wanted to start with the differentiation between. Uh, using as as marcos put it using characters as eye candy um using the sexualization of characters to market to people and actually using it in a way that benefits the art form so dark souls i think is one of the latter because in no way is is does the souls game ever market that it has sexualized characters right um 
if you watch any of its trailers, you never would see anybody, I, as far as I know, uh, you know, dressed in a provocative way. Um, I mean, there's well, there is, and I'm I, I and I agree, but I don't know that that ever pops up in any of the trailers or anything like that. that essentially, what I'm saying is the game doesn't market it because of oh, its sexualized yeah. characters, right? Um, this, certainly, there are sexual characters in the game, um, and that's a present theme throughout the entire franchise, including Bloodborne, as we talked about with like the doll and things like that. It seems to allude to um, characters using uh, female sexuality as a form of manipulation, like on on the male's part. So uh, Gwyn, who and we you mentioned Guinevere, Gwen actually sexualizes his own daughter by projecting her in a larger image at some point in the game. Mm -hmm. um, and that's meant to allure the player in some way or to allure other players. Uh, and I think that sort of direct uh, manipulation of the character or the, the protagonist is something that's really interesting. But when I look at something like Bayonetta, which was actually developed by, by mostly women, I want to say, I, this, is, this is something I just read. So somebody can fact that check that. Oh, I think yeah. so. I think so. Um, again, cool. somebody fact check that for me. It could be a different game than I'm thinking of. But we're looking at a character that is sexualized for I'm not sure what reason. Um, she is obviously, uh, you know, sort of a, a brutal character. She she murders essentially from point A to point B um, for for justifiable reasons. If you've you know followed along with the plot, but what what is it? You know what it, what justification is there, Dakota, for a character like Bayonetta? to exist and do you think that's something that needs to disappear from games do you think that's something that that you can justify uh what is your response to that um i'm sorry i i went and looked up oh that's uh, okay you fact checked for me yeah okay and it says i just did um bayonetta developed by women okay but it's a woman who designed the character herself bayonetta oh interesting um, and, and even the, the Platinum's Yusuke Hashimoto uh, even said that he believes, that the studio believes, only a woman's touch could have made Bayonetta who she was. Interesting. So that's, that, I, I don't know what that exactly says, but I think, you know, that kind of perspective is... That no is... man could have made Bayonetta yeah, uh, it... the Bayonetta that we know. Right. And I, I, I think feel... I think there's something to that. So I uh, often the argument we hear is that like Bayonetta is not justifiably uh, sexualized, which is is something we we see from like um, a feministic perspective that games like this uh, are doing some sort of wrong on the market. I'm not sure I feel that way. I'm not necessarily picking a side or dying on any hills here. But I guess my question then, Dakota, is do you think? Do you think that you can even justify a character like Bayonetta with narrative um, narrative elements involved in the sexualization of this character? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So why? Why do you think that? Um, I think, like, of course, I think it's a very fine line, and it like it can easily very go. It can easily go from. This character is just sexy to be sexy versus this is like, even if it's, you know, in the narrative, it's they, they're not dressed super sexual because if there's like an exact reason, but it's like, I don't, I feel like to some degree, Bayonetta, even like if it's not in a narrative standpoint, I've never played a Bayonetta game. So this is kind of hard for me. 
I don't even exactly know. No, what you Bayonetta can use any about. character. You can use any character as an example. Just but I feel like Bayonetta is like the best one. Though. Yeah, probably the she most is popular super one. Sexy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't played very many games with quote like that I can think of the top of my head with like sexy characters. But um, Bayonetta. Oh shoot, where was I? Oh, I'm sorry. Bayonetta. Oh, um, how do I? It's almost like her sexuality is kind of her strength. Well, and it's certainly a part of her character. I think. Yeah, it's not just she's just you know, she doesn't just look hot to be hot. Right. It's you know, it's almost. I feel like to agree, this can be like considered empowering because it's like, yeah, you can just have all the sex appeal in the world. Like, throw your sexuality out the window. Do what you want. Because Bayonetta, you know, looks the way she does, dresses the way she does, acts the way she does, and she's still badass. She's right. still kick-ass. She's still, you know, super cool. I like, I don't know. I and just an know interesting kicks, character. But... No, I, yeah. I, I, think you're, I think you're right. She's I think not... there's an argument that this could be actually an, an empowering thing, specifically when just... we start to consider that it's developed by women. Anyway, go ahead. Especially, um... Like, when it comes down to Tomb Raider, because uh, that's the first thing I can think of to compare it to, where you could call Lara Croft, you know, kind of like, she's sexy in a different way. I'm kind of like that rugged, you know, shorts and tank top bust out. I held back from saying another word. Um. <laughs> well, and, she, and I actually was reading about this before the podcast, because I wanted to make sure I was a little more informed than I had been previously. They actually worked on desexualizing her character as the franchise developed so it kind of started out as like okay this wasn't the intention but we realized that people see it this way so we're going to work on like changing her character and if you play the modern you know tomb raider game she's definitely different yes it's different but um you know in like an older sense though the original lara croft you'd see her and i I mean i guess she was like very polygony Extremely, looking, but... yeah, <laughs> polygony. <laughs> but she was like her sexuality wasn't a strength, which I guess some people could argue that you know Bayonetta's isn't, but I, I don't know. I feel like hers is. I like seeing her stomp around her heels and. It feels like Bayonetta people. dressed herself. I guess. Yeah. Is the, Whereas the Laura way Croft I put it. Just kind of, it's like she looks. She she's made to appeal to a to like to the, to a man's gaze yeah what is, what is that what to is a that? man yeah a, the, a male gaze male that's gaze. the phrase and being then, passed and along. then i started saying it and i was like god i don't want to sound like such a <clears throat> no i i think i think there's a point to this i i think the difference is here what you're trying to say um is that there is agency on the part of bayonetta's character like this is who she is this is a part of her character this is a, a part of what makes her interesting whereas laura croft Laura Croft is never, there's nothing about her that would tell you she is a sexual character outside of, you know, the, the way she dresses, right? Like yeah. there's, there's no, there's, there's a separation there. Bayonetta uses the sexuality as part of her character. Uh, Laura Croft does not. And I think mm-hmm. we've kind of hit the nail on the head here that, that I wanted to. There's a difference between, okay, there's this woman who has her chest out on the cover of this game. I am going to buy it. 
versus yeah. there is a Bayonetta character who I I buy this game and I learn that Bayonetta is just kind of a sexual person, which is which is great and it seems properly celebrated in the game. Um, and I know um, I mentioned Catherine earlier. I know as like a game that you know sells sex, but um, I know that game's narrative is uh like because i after watching cell play it so much mm -hmm. um i did read up on just like what the story was about on like you know wikipedia just a brief summary but it is based around uh, like a man cheating on his wife and it's based around sexuality and catherine is like a oh what are the what are, a succubus Ooh, interesting and so it is based around sexuality and so right. i don't know i feel like that has a place in our conversation as well yeah, I mean, uh, I just don't know how to tell my thoughts on it because I don't know it. Yeah, I don't really know Catherine too much, all except for what you just said. Yeah, it's getting a remaster that. actually, so I'll I'll, yeah, I'll be picking like it up and playing it at that point. Um, um, the gameplay doesn't really interest me. Yeah, so, I was like, oh, this looks like a cool game. Then I realized the gameplay is all moving those blocks mostly. I think yeah. that's a specific game mode. I could be totally wrong. I could be totally I wrong. Have, I don't. I've, after reading the little thing, I felt I, I was like, "Oh, is this most of the game?" It could I be. I'm pretty sure that's the gameplay right there, and everything else is like character interaction it's with the cutscenes. All yeah. I know is that I'm fully prepared to be lambasted by Selu Selu Her. Is that how you pronounce the full name? This is Twitch.tv/SeluHer. If you want to know who we're talking it. about. So, um, anyway, we're you know shifting from from Catherine, which obviously I, I do know that that game uses its like sexuality is part of its narrative. So I think that's almost like, okay, well, duh, that's okay to have a story about that involves sex. But right. Sorry, Marcos. Bloodborne, really... Bloodborne does a pretty good uh, job using oh, sexual, yeah. especially with, like Ariana and uh, what's her name? The Queen of Canehurst, the way they treat themselves, the way they carry themselves, even that Ariana herself is a prostitute, but plays a much bigger role in the whole lore itself, well, being chosen as one of the. Uh, is. T uh, she becomes pregnant through an old one. I mean. Which is it, that when we're talking about Bloodborne, for those who haven't experienced Bloodborne, this is like a, a Lovecraft story. So it's like we're talking about science fiction elements on top of sexuality like there's there's a lot going on here but i think the biggest takeaway from bloodborne if we're talking about it is actually a, a moment early in the game where you're presented with a lifeless doll who is looks kind of like a, a younger woman um but she is um let's say she she's lifeless when you first when you first meet her right mm -hmm. um and so it yeah, and we eventually um, see her brought to life, sort of. Uh, and we talk to a, a, an old man, an old, gross-looking man who is in a wheelchair, <laughs> who essentially gives us permission, the, the protagonist, to do what we'd like with the doll. Um, and, and to me, this was sort of like a direct wink to the characters. Not that, like, the, the doll is meant to be used as, like, a, a sexual object, but that that is how the game perceives you know problems with sexism in in the game right this character was was sexist and this is not a likable character 
And so we're not meant to chuckle along with the old guy who ends up being, no, you know, I don't want to spoil, but ends up being somebody we fight and attempt to kill later in the game. This is the game saying, hey, here is this villainous character, and here is something that we actually want to abstain from. Uh, and we, we want you to know this is bad. So, the, uh, even just further to say that, uh, I think I'm pretty sure the game tells you that Garman created the doll Aiden likeness for uh, himself, like he created her likeness, and that uh, another character in the game, uh, Count Maria or Lady Maria, um, despises the fact that uh, he did such a thing because uh, spoilers, she likes Garman. Um, so, uh, well, I think that that whole thing is is extremely interesting and a take a larger take if we're pulling the scope back a little bit on on sexism in video games. And again, we've wanted to have that conversation for a long time, and I'm not fully prepared to have it right now. But I do think that when we're talking about the sexualization of characters, we're looking at a game saying, "Hey, here is a sexualized character." who has been sexualized by another character in our game. And we're actually looking down on that, that prospect, that perspective that that villainous character has. Doesn't the, um, in Bloodborne from the little bit, I remember watching you play, uh, with, um, enough like perception. Is that what it is with enough? Like insight, insight, Insight. Mm -hmm. that's what it is. She, instead of turns, she turns into a person like she's, so it actually you a person which yeah. i feel like if it the game is like if you don't have enough insight the game is like this is it's like a metaphor the for game how she is just tells an object you that she's a lifeless doll yes when you yeah. appear in the hunter's dream and you have zero insights you the game tells you it's just a lifeless doll and it is until you go a little bit further in the game and you actually gain insight that she uh she is awake standing up and uh, explains to you just what it is that she is that's and further in the game she tells you that she was created to love her hunters and it was it's a very suggestive love and i think that again uh, dakota that was a, a wonderful no pun intended insight um to the game is you're right it, the character as soon as they gain insight they see this this uh, doll is becoming a an actual person, and it's like you literally only need like one or three, right? It's one, very I'm pretty sure. As soon as yeah. you gain a, any kind of insight, um, so I, I think that's that's a really unique perspective. So it doesn't even push uh push what bush around the corner? What's that? Beat around the bush. <laughs> beat around. <laughs> 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 uh, it doesn't even beat around the bush with uh like the metaphor that uh it's trying to portray where right. you know they could have easily gone and you know you need 20 insight and then she turned you know then she's a an actual person instead of just right. an object and she, it's, you only need one and then you can see oh wow um you're a person she's like yeah i am right <laughs> um no that's really interesting i think that that's a good takeaway and i again why i think the souls franchise does such a, a nice job of using sex as a a point of discussion without sexualizing its characters for the point of marketing and that's i i want to see more of that just because i think sex is an interesting thing that is fully expressed in every other medium i mean talk about literature that doesn't involve sex talk about a film that doesn't involve sex or television that doesn't involve sex somehow games have avoided that subject for so so long uh and i think part of that is fear for doing the wrong thing which they should be fearful of 
objectifying their characters. It's a pretty easy thing to avoid. Um, you can sexualize a game, uh, you know, a incorporating sex in a game without objectifying your characters, um, which I think is something when we're looking at things like Gears. And of course, I, I don't want to start talking about how men are objectified as frequently as women because they're not. Even in video games <laughs> where men are predominantly, you know, the protagonists of video games, they're very rarely objectified in the same way. Uh, but you're looking at something like Gears, where all four of our characters are five times the size of a normal human being. Um, and, you know, with huge muscles and not, they're treated as humans, right? I don't know if either of you guys have played Gears of War. No, but they're, I've played some. Yeah, they're, they're treated as human. They're, yeah. Everything about them tells you they're human, but we look at them, they don't look human. You know, we, yeah. we look at, at somebody like, uh, God, what's that, what's that recent game that has come out? We were just talking about the fighter game uh that Dragon was announced Ball. for nintendo switch oh oh is it oh, stk uh, or something like that snk fighting heroines yeah like oh. where these women just don't look realistic you know what i mean like they like bayonetta at least she looks i mean it's anime what, she, what are you expecting from well, anime? <laughs> <laughs> you're right you're right but a big part of this problem comes from things that are based in anime. I I I, I don't that's know. Fair. That's a that's another discussion to be had. But I, I don't you, think we should get into that one with probably. all of our uh, otaku's. <laughs> oh, no. No, we can do that next uh, week. That's how we that's how we lose a a ton of viewership. Yeah. And money. Right. So. Um, <laughs> I, but I, I do, I think this was a really interesting discussion. I want to say that I, I really appreciate both of your insights. Um, I really, I, and considering more, that how often more, I've played yeah. Bloodborne, that is something I never really thought about. So I, I do, I think that was really insightful. Can, can I in, interject? With yeah, of course. Thing? I like how in uh, the Assassin's Creed franchise, at least for um, the Ezio, when you played as Ezio, you could, uh, you befriended, um, the prostitutes you, you could pay them money and they'd help disguise you and guard you right and they were yeah. essentially like part of your gang yeah cool. using a, cool. a quote unquote using the women for something other than sex but which it is also, the, the like, game's it, express it, purpose yeah it didn't you know you just weren't paying these women to uh kind of like be your entourage but they also did have like a you know they took in his family and they they helped him right it wasn't just him using them. It was they had they served a greater purpose and had more to them than just they were prostitutes. There was an actual relationship between them. Yeah, and getting getting further into this discussion, you know, if if we're you know pulling the microscope back again, we're looking at uh, women who are you know in sex work who are more than just they're they're more than just sex. So. It's a good job by Assassin's Creed. I think so frequently we we and don't actually they stopped... look at. Go oh, go ahead. They after the Ezio series, I think even in like the in Revelations, it they weren't prostitutes. They stopped doing that. In Revelations, you didn't hire prostitutes. You hired um, Romani people. Yeah, I remember that. And generally, mm -hmm. they were women, but Romani women are still considered were you know still are or were considered to be kind of like scandalous and whores and whatever. But they actually stopped doing that after the Ezio trilogy. In the third, they don't do it, and the black flag they don't do it and they don't do it in any of the newer ones they stopped yeah well it's interesting i think again could... because ever since this discussion has become more relevant in video games about sexualizing characters people have almost become afraid of how to do it how to incorporate sex without sexualizing characters 
I think we've kind of hit, like I said, I think we hit the nail on the head. There is a difference between marketing your characters in a, in a sexualized way and incorporating sexual elements uh, and motifs into your game without, you know, actually marketing it as such, right? There's just a difference. Yeah, because even in Assassin's Creed, they it's not that they just took that whole mechanic out of where you could hire groups of, um, you know, people to kind of help you out or do what you need them to do. It's they still kept that mechanic. It's they took out the, you know, that sexualization of those like women characters, which I, I don't know, I enjoyed. Since these, you still saw the backstory behind them. It didn't just ignore that you were hiring women to help you out. But right. it did go into like more about them. Even if it was just something quick, it still put it in there. Yeah. Um, but they actually, they still, you can still hire thieves and, and like, people with giant ass swords to help you but they took out that uh you know where he would hire either prostitutes or romani women to help him which i think i feel like at some point they were afraid of getting backlash for that and they thought oh maybe this isn't an okay thing to do anymore i think games are but, afraid of using sex at all at this point and yeah. maybe understandably so i just it's it's almost uh worrisome to me that so many creators are just are not able to separate okay like how how will this be viewed if i incorporate sex in your game well like there's a very substantial difference between objectification and sexualization uh in in your narrative right and like how... just having sexual motifs it, that is possible without objectifying your characters and how where would the witcher play into this where uh he is like literally a sex god in that game yeah <laughs> i don't i don't know how i feel about witcher probably and, not very good like I, pro if i if i i like the witcher franchise but if i were to really think about this i mean Geralt is a character who like repeatedly womanizer. pays for sex uh and then you know yeah there's just there's a lot of things going on there and, but i know it also because i know i believe because i i've only played very minimal of the witcher but he's a womanizer you know, basically. But aren't like the it goes pretty like in depth with like they show like full on butt. Oh yeah, no, there's actual butt. sex scenes. Oh, yeah. It's not oh. just butt. It's like yeah. Yeah, everything. Which is, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And they're probably like the only game that I can think of where it kind of goes that far. I think my favorite uh, my favorite example of all of this, um, outside of how Souls uses it, which I still really appreciate. I think probably Mass Effect, where they have, and again, we we didn't want to talk too much about like it, without being fully prepared for this discussion i didn't want to talk too much about lgbt yes, stuff a, and and, oh. and things being involved because one of one of my favorite i don't and i don't know about you guys i know marcos is a big fan of mass effect yeah. but they actually have uh they actually have lgbt relationships as as yep. an availability in the game um there's some relationships you can only do that are homosexual yeah, and some that are, if I if I remember correctly, some are you can you have bisexual elements to them, um, and yeah. also like cross species, which you know obviously like you're basically what they're trying to say is that whatever your sexual preference, you'll you'll do find you. something for you in this game. Yeah, do do. That's what, I do enjoy that about uh, Dragon Age and Mass Effect. Yeah, because they're the only well. game that, uh, or the only like the both of them, the only franchises that. Uh, you know, in Skyrim or other games, you can uh, marry, like, the same sex, um, even in, like, Stardew Valley, but it's not, they're the only game that, like, will spec, like, they build up a character enough to say, no, 
you know, not every character will either marry a man or a woman. They do specify and build up a character enough to be able to say, no, this man is like strict, strictly gay. He's full blown gay. You can't, if you're a chick, you can't get with this guy. Or they do have characters that are just only straight or bisexual or whatever. And I do kind of appreciate where they go more in depth instead of all the dateable characters can date whoever they want. Woo. Well, and that's something we've talked about or not, sorry, have not talked about is like the lack of consent on the portion, you know, like when we're talking about mass effect characters, you actually have characters who say no, which I think is really important. Young people are playing this game and they need to learn that obviously who, <laughs> they, you can't just approach somebody and they immediately want to have sex with you. That's just not something that, I, I I think is um something we should have involved in video games, right? Um and I think Mass Effect does a nice job just like Dakota was saying. I rem- I actually remember this is one of my early experiences with, with sex and video games. In Mass Effect two, I thought Miranda was just the coolest. Uh it was ah, two, right? Well like eighty percent of the other people that played Mass Effect two. Okay, well, you know, listen, I'm I'm a normie then, but I yeah. what I what I'm trying to say is that I, I relentlessly pursued this. Re- I I think it was for achievement reasons, to be fair. But Miranda, Miranda okay. never. <laughs> okay, like a personal achievement, maybe, but personal yeah. achievement. Regardless, my point is, is that I Miranda, I never was able to associate my character with Miranda's. It was always a no. It was a flat no. It was a possibility if you're a different character and you play things a different way. Way, but you didn't the way i played the uh you know the game it didn't it didn't work out i thought that was just really interesting i don't know being you know despite my wanting my character to have a relationship with this person the game was like <laughs> hey you're she doesn't like you <laughs> so no well you know that, yeah. that's that's perfectly cool i think that was an interesting feature so i can tell you no that i'm aware of at least no other game series does go to because that is more effort, like in a game developer's part, is to be able to do that. But no other game puts in that extra effort, right? To go that it's not even it's like an extra step further. It's like you know they do the minimum. You could date whoever you want, woo! But that <laughs> that <laughs> that's like the extra step further where it's if they don't like you, they don't like you. You got to know. But right. also, yeah, you know they have characters that are specifically homosexual, bisexual, heterosexual. Not every character is just which, whatever you want, you know? Not, not every every character wants to bang Shepard, is what we're trying to say. Yeah. Um, so let's, that, was, that was a really good discussion. I'm, I'm okay with, with tabling. I, I do want to have a, a larger discussion about sexism in video games, which I think is definitely worth discussing. And make no qualms about it if you are listening to this and you're like, I don't know why they didn't address this, which I think we still did a couple of times. It's because we want to have that discussion when we're fully prepared to do so. Um, it's not because we don't acknowledge its existence. It's because we would I like do. to be prepared. Sexism is a lie. <laughs> what? Uh, okay, so Dakota was being sarcastic. Just so I don't have to cut this part out of the podcast. But <laughs> um, let's go ahead and move on to our question. I have a really good one for you guys today. Um, oh, this, comes, this comes from Jay Ryan. So thank you, Jay Ryan. Make sure to message me for a free game. We I think we're up to like 24 free games that I have that you can choose from. So um, a lot on that. But this is the question. And Dakota is actually up, I think, eight to seven now. So Marcos is going to be going. Or, sorry, Dakota is going to be going first. Uh, so, so here's our question. 
with Sea of Thieves having its beta this week, we got a question from J Ryan that seems particularly fitting. Uh, one of the following que- uh, one of the following games was not developed by Rare. Which was it? Was it A Wheel of Fortune for the NAS? Was it B Super Glove Ball for the NES? Was it C Mickey's Speedway USA uh, for the Game Boy Color? Or was it D Home Alone for the NES? Dakota. I'm gonna go with Super Glove Ball. Super Glove Ball. Okay, and Marcos. Uh, Home Alone. It is Home Alone. I don't know God if you just it. knew that or. I figured the movie title would be weird. Oh, oh well, okay. It, it actually, there is a game named Home Alone. <laughs> oh, is there? See, the yes. movie title, do you not remember, like, back in, like, the mid-2000s where if there was a movie, you bet there was also a game to go with that movie. Shrek the game? Yes. We're fighting Nemo the game? Okay, I'm, I'm going to award game. bonus points here. Bonus points, if in the next 10 seconds you can name the developer who developed Home Alone... In ten seconds, you ha- okay? Oh. It's it's Sega. a well-known developer. It's a well-known developer. Sega, Sega. from Marcos. Both of oh. you are saying Sega. I didn't even hear him say Sega. God damn it! Oh, you can take Sega. F- fucking Naughty Dog. Let's go! <laughs> wow, it was actually Bethesda. They made a Home Alone oh. game. Yeah. Oh god. So. <laughs> anyway, oh. it's all tied up. You guys do a really. I feel. I think. Uh, people are going to start accusing us of putting this on for TV. Like, we have a really close race going on here. So, um, anyway, thank you guys so much. I, we only had one question today because of the longer discussion topic. We'll be back next week. Uh, we go live. <laughs> we go live. <laughs> I want to make sure you, I, you know that I acknowledged your yawn. I know uh, you acknowledge it no matter what. <laughs> uh, so we we actually record every Monday night, and the podcast goes live sometime in the middle of the night on Mondays. Usually, by the time you wake up on Tuesday, it'll be there waiting for you. Um, <clears throat> it's like a little present. It's like a little present. Yeah, every Tuesday, actually. <laughs> we actually. Every Tuesday is Christmas. We also have another podcast going up for Epilogue. This is the Ludo Narrative Podcast. I think, when is February 1st? Is that Thursday or Friday? It is. Thursday. No, that is Thursday, 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 Thursday. Okay, okay, Thursday. okay, okay. You don't have to like, you know. Okay, whatever. Yeah, Thursday. It's Thursday. We come. Ah. We've come to an agreement that it is on Thursday. Uh, they'll be dropping a podcast on Shadow of the Colossus, which I have listened to, and it is extremely good. Like, you know, we we do our best here, but the Ludo Narrative podcast is well pieced together. It's got super high production value. If you really like discussion on lore and uh you know narrative in video games they have you covered they even talk about things like coding and the you know the development structure of uh, of something like shadow of the colossus uh i i think blake dropped this this piece of info not to spoil the podcast but that the ps4 is 42 times more powerful than the ps2 how does that even work i don't know uh, numbers, but, yeah. yeah, numbers. Technology I guess. developed fast. Yes, um, that that's definitely true. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's edition of the Epilogue Gaming Podcast. Uh, we will be back next week, so we'll see you guys then. For Marcos and Dakota, I'm Ben Vollmer. Uh, we'll catch you guys soon. <laughs>